Hey, this is Pastor Joaquin G. Molina from Spring of Life Fellowship, and I want to welcome you to our podcast. I hope you're encouraged with this message and you stay the course to change the world. God bless you. Father, thank you for this day that we find ourselves in the house of the Lord, gathered with your people. How good and pleasurable it is for the brethren to dwell together in unity because there you have commanded there you have commanded there you have commanded blessing and life forevermore father we pray that you speak to us strong and that we come into our identity in christ our inheritance our legacy as a priority in our pursuit and passion that nothing move us, O oh God, and nothing be greater in our lives than the enthusiastic presence of the Lord that would be so contagious it would spill over to the people in our lives that haven't tasted that the Lord is good, that don't know that to seek first the kingdom of God will cause all things to be added. Thank you for our families. Thank you for our wives, our marriages, our children. Thank you for the church. Thank you for men of God who preach your word uncompromised. Thank you for the spirit of God that's perfecting us in these matters. Thank you that heaven is real on this side of eternity, O oh God, and we're preparing to rule and reign and govern with you. Thank you for your grace that's strong in our lives. Now use your word as a lamp unto our feet that we might understand greater purpose in you. Reveal, open the eyes of our understanding. Let us see, O oh God, the things that are concerning eternity in the next life that we might prepare in an adequate manner and not be ashamed. When you come, O oh God, that we would be servants of God, rightly dividing the word of truth, prepared for every good work, and use us as instruments, use us as ministers, use us, O oh God, in these last days to shine bright, and that your word not return void, that it would be a good seed planted in good heart that give forth good fruit, a harvest that glorifies you, O oh God. Thank you for this past week. Thank you for the impartation of your work in our lives and help us to be found faithful in Jesus name we pray amen and amen as we begin uh, the word this morning I don't want to miss out to make sure that I give glory to God for everything that has happened this past week um, there there is nothing that's short about the revelation the revealing of his hand strong upon my life and upon our family and upon this church and the leadership and i want you to define that as god's glory what's it mean um the revealing and manifestation of the work of god we are and paul says it who is sufficient for these things I mean, sometimes we look into what God says and what God wants to do, and we say, like Moses, you got the wrong man. Because Moses says, who am I 
that I should go to Pharaoh and deliver these people that are in captivity for 400 years. That would take an entire army or a man that's meek and humble and wants to be used of God. And that's you. And that's us. And that's the person that looks in the mirror every morning saying, God, when are you going to do these things? And God is saying, through you, whenever you get motivated. You don't have to wait 25 years for a move of God. You don't have to wait for the revival to start in Azusa Street. It could start in your heart. I pray that the fire of God consume you with the passion of the things of God, that you cannot sleep at night without seeing the revelation that you are. You are the vessel of God. And these things are not anything other than something called the glory of God. Um, I want to give all the glory to God for what happened this past week. I don't, I don't want anybody to say, wow, Joaquin's doing very good. I want them to say, wow, God is able to do something good. Because we are getting out of the way. We're saying, Lord, this, this schedule, this agenda, this work is not ours but yours. And this is called the glory of God. And so part of God's calling upon our lives, and I pray with every prayer, Lord, use me to fill the earth with your glory. Use my marriage so people could see God. Because if it were up to me, I always say it, I'd be on my fifth wife. I would have children not living in my home. I would have children all over the city without knowing their father. Without paying child support, without paying, because it would not be the glory of God. It would be my shame that would be revealed. So God wants you to live for God's glory, for the manifestation evident of what he is doing. In fact, he created us. If you don't know this, he created you to fill the earth with his glory. But we're so caught up with everything that comes across that we cannot fathom that God wants to use you and to pour glory into your life. Isaiah 43, 7 says it. I want to put this as the basic premise. Everyone who I've called by my name, I have created for my glory. Yes, I formed him and I have made him. That's called on assignment with God. I am here so that the whole world might see the glory of God. And what does that look like? And what it's his shape? And what it's, it's, um, it's formation? How does it gather? How does it appear? And so... We've heard it before, and I've seen men of God tell me that while the exterior, 2 Corinthians 4, 7, it looks like a plain jar of clay, there's nothing impressive about the, the outward appearance of these called to fill the earth with glory. He says, we have this treasure. I'm sorry, it's 2 Corinthians 7. Let me get those. Can't miss that. 
I'm going so fast when I'm putting my notes together. And in that regards, you'll see me. Four, seven? I don't know why I have. Oh, because see, the typo was that it, it blew up the seven like if it's a chapter, it's not a verse. Um, let's go ahead and read that. We have this excellence of God's treasure in earthen vessels, uh, translated clay, so that the excellence of this manifestation and power may be of God and not of yourself. So the next verse says, we are hard-pressed. Everything around us being uh, yet not crushed, we are perplexed but not despair. We're persecuted. Everything we go through is to the manifestation of this glory. The people says no natural man could withstand living in a marriage relationship for 47 years. It has to be the glory of God. No son could honor a father like Jesus did to death and death on a cross. If I honor my dad, then I can't pursue my pleasure. You're not called to pursue your pleasure. You're called for somebody to see denying self, which is glorious, an obedient son. Who has seen an obedient son? This world needs to see Christ in you, the hope of glory. That if they're going to see something that looks like heaven, it's you in the brokenness of denying self. And it's super attractive because it's what the climate of heaven is all about. The glory of God is called obedience. Why? Because no one's doing it. And being able to be in the form and the, the climate that allows you to show that it's not about you. How attractive is it in the last days when men are lovers of themselves seeing a son who denies self? Who's saying, this life is not about me. And so it could only happen Christ in you. Now, if you decide that you're not going to live for the glory of God, you could try here, 1 Peter 1.23, the glory of man. The glory of man says all flesh is like grass, and the glory of man is like the flowers that come out. Verse 24. All flesh is as grass, and the glory of man like a flower of grass, and the grass withers, and the flowers fade. If you're going to decide, no, I'm not going to do it. I, I don't want to let people see God's glory. I'm going to let them see my glory. It's going to be short-lived, and it's not going to accomplish much. I'm going to move here. I'm going to move there because I want my life to be about me. Guess what? I think my son said it best when he was about to get married. He's 26, and he said these words, I've spent 26 years not doing what I want. And anyone who sees his life will see the glory of God. He's gotten out of the way so that people could see God's faithfulness in his life. In every expression of who he is, you see the goodness of God. 
he is blown away by how God has moved in his life at that level. So if we know there's two glories, the glory of man, short-lived and faded and coming to nothing, or the glory of God that doesn't fade, he who does the will of God will abide forever. You'll see that living in denial of self will extend what you become a part of far after you are gone. It is said of Charles Spurgeon that out of the 30 ministries that were born under his watch, including schools and orphanages and all manner of institutions in England, they have outlived him by a hundred years. Long after he left, everything that he did for the glory of God is still upon the earth and being funded. That means finances are still moving in the direction of what a man started living for the glory of God. And so this, I, I hope that today it's an answer to your prayer. God, why do you have me upon the earth? Um, I think it's the Westminster's um, catechism, whose the very first line it says, what is the purpose of man? Well, why is man on the earth, in other words? To show forth his glory. It, it, would that, listening to this message, would it change your pursuit and your perspective? If your life is about your increase and not what John the Baptist says, uh, he says, I must decrease that he might increase. If you're going to pursue the glory of God, your schedule has to change. Because you can't serve two gods. If I'm going to live for the glory, people say, hey, pastor, why don't you run for mayor of Miami? Because if I run for mayor of Miami, I can't be the man of God for Miami. If I practice law, and trust me, I showed some of the boys the other night. I said, this is what a lawyer makes. They're like, her eyes opened up way big. And I said, listen, there's glory greater than that. But I can't do both. I got to be careful that I hear the voice of God and I follow the call of God. Are there no lawyers going to heaven? Jesus is an advocate before the Father. He was the first lawyer. He will represent you the day of judgment. You say, God, the Father, judge of all mankind, my lawyer has never lost a case. Who's representing you? Pastor Molina? No, no, someone better. Jesus Christ has submitted his pleadings to represent me on the day of judgment. And he paid his fees. He paid your fees. So this is tonight, today, I, I want to just really, if, if we change our perspective, if our kids capture this, it's going to be powerful. 1 Corinthians 10.31, so whatever you do, do for the glory of God. If, if you're driving a nice car, do it for the glory of God. 
If, if you are blessed through the roof, don't say, I did it because I've been working here for 26 years. I did it because I went to Yale and Harvard and got a scholarship. No. I used to tell my wife, I, I used to hate to read books. And then I get saved and the Lord calls me to take the hardest exam, the Florida bar. And I got those books open right in front of me and we're married. And I said to her, listen, you see this man reading this book? And she says, yeah, I've seen a lot of people read books. I go, yeah, but not this guy. What you're seeing here is the glory of God. What you're seeing here, we, we were just newlyweds. None of the kids were around. But I was already, already telling her what, what is in my life that makes me seem prosperous is the glory of God. And I could not for a second sit there and say, well, it's because my dad has good genes coming down. We need to let the world know that what's operating in our lives, if we're successful, even uh, the law firm we started 25 years ago, they said, well, how are you going to do it? I got a great senior partner. This is God's glory, not mine. It's not my capacity. It's not my ability. All the, the lawyers were running out getting malpractice insurance just in case they messed up. I never had malpractice insurance. Because Jesus doesn't mess up. Isn't it powerful when you move with the wave of God's glory? And listen to me. You are the people. that, that you're, you, Some of your relatives are not going to understand. Some of your friends are not going to understand. That you have decided to live for the glory of God in everything you do. It doesn't matter how big or how small. You're doing it for the glory of God. Colossians 3.17 says, even your speech. Even when you speak, you're, I, I was a man who every word was a curse word. And so I had to tell people, see, you notice I don't say bad words no more? That's the glory of God. They don't come out no more. And I'm not going to learn some new ones. I used to tell my friends, I said, hey, I got a, I, I got a new joke I want to share with you. I said, please don't. I'm trying to forget the, the ones I learned as a child that are still stuck in my spirit, in my conversation. So even in word and in deed, when you speak, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Don't let curse words come out of your mouth. And when they say, why don't you curse? You say, it's the glory of God. Because I used to be a filthy speaker. 1 Peter 4.11, if anyone speaks, he should speak like God speaks his word. If anyone serves, let him do it with the ability which God supplies. I love to see the giftings of God that bring him glory in the house of God. As I see people that in the world, they said, well, I used to run a company with 500 employees. Yeah, and you can't get one usher to follow your example. Oh, in the world, I had a company and I did this and I did that. And I said, yeah. And for God, you're a useless servant. You, you, you can't take your game into the affairs of God's kingdom and, and show forth the equipping of the gifting of the talents in your life to cause the work of God to go greater and broader and more excellent? I invite people to your church and you don't come. How are they supposed to come? Where are they supposed to be a part of? Hey, come to my church on Sunday. I can't be there. I got to work. 
come on Wednesday night, I can't be there because I, I get out of work too late. So you can't afford the example of the glory that God wants. If you minister, minister to it with the ability God supplies. In all things, say with me, all things. So that God may be glorified. So they can see evidence of what you profess. I tell my dog all the time, your bark is louder than your bite. And then the people come in and he runs. And so we also being the vessels and the instruments of God in all things. So that God may be glorified. So he might be magnified. So he might be seen. If you know me and we're in any type of setting, I'll say, Verghese, come, share your testimony. Carlos Leon, come, share your testimony. Because what I want people to see is God's reality. What God has done. Now imagine these people that God heals, that God saves, that God delivers, that God prospers, and they distance themselves from God and say, look the expanse of my glory. As soon as you do this, this is called goose egg for you. God will strip you. God will devise. He will remove that which leads people to think for one second that you did it. Nebuchadnezzar learned that lesson. He says, isn't this the kingdom that I've, the empire that I've built for my glory? And while the words were still in his mouth, the Bible says, he was divested from all his servants, from the palace, from prominence, from royalty. And he started eating grass for seven years. He became a donkey overnight. A burro. So these things that God might be glorified. And when we miss it, I want to say the nature of God is to take you from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, as we see his glory, we will follow in suit and be transformed from glory to glory. As his glory is unveiled and he, dis, um, he delegates and passes down and entrusts us to greater glory, glory we are being transformed into that same image and he's taking us from glory to glory that's why if you're going through anything you say the expression of whatever you're seeing is not going to stay like this i'm, I'm going to a higher level uh, I'm, I'm going to greater measure of god's faithfulness of his mercy the plans he has for me are greater than whatever you think that i'm here stuck and we, we've seen that in the lives of our men. Whenever they are traversing life, we say, stay put and wait for God's promotion. Because God's not leaving you where you're at. He needs the earth to see somebody who stewards his glory. And how shameful it is, those of us that can't carry any weight of glory. Second Corinthians 4, 16, I believe. 
says that every, verse 17, 2 Corinthians 4, 17, this light problems that we're going to are for but a moment because whatever we're going through is so that there would be a far more exceeding external, eternal weight of glory. There's going to be another measure to be seen of then the problem we're going through right now. He's, he's preparing us. And I, I see, listen to me. I saw you guys when you came here. I saw you guys just totally undone, the majority of you. And then seeing what God has done, my favorite song was that goodness of God. I have to, with every breath, see his faithfulness and what he's done. Every time I, talk, I, I, I think about Pastor Kenny and Jenny and, and seeing them possibly go through a foreclosure and struggling in their early marriages and coming and saying, so we've messed up, we've messed up, we've messed up, and then go visit their house today. I'll just take a glimpse of glory. Because in their darkest day, they decided to repent, to bow down their knees, and to wait upon the Lord. This is a whole different dynamic than the world. As a woman told me this week, oh, you don't know the, the problems I go to every time I try to go to a church. Yes, of course there's going to be issues. But you stay the course. You bow knees, you repent, you reconcile, you restore, you listen to God. Because the measure is another expression of glory, of faithfulness of God, the manifest presence. And there he says in Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to false expressions, graven images. Whatever you raise up, to compete with God's glory. I just want to tell you right now, whatever you raise up to compete with God's glory in your life will turn into maggots. You will see an infestation of worms. You will expect a return, but the Lord says, since you're not giving me the glory, since I'm not a part of your game plan, since you're the big deal in town and you don't need me no more, you don't worship me anymore. You don't bestow unto me my glory. That's why we call this sermon God's glory and not mine. Look what God is doing. Look what God has done. Look what God has given me. Look how God's hand is strong upon my life. I was having a conversation with my daughter this week and I said, listen, the glory of God upon your life is strong and it's going from glory to glory. Don't allow yourself to be diminished in fear, thinking that the next stage and development and progression for your life is not to see God show up strong, mighty, and glorious. Because you, you only, you become diminished and defeated when you think that the next level is no glory, is no provision. And so that's why God says, don't put anything before me to try and divert my glory. Isaiah 48, 11, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be mischaracterized, profaned? How am I going to allow somebody who sold out for God have what's called negative results? 
uh, end result that is not glorious. I will not give my glory to another. I'm not going to share that. God will not give his glory to another. All glory belongs to him. He will not allow his works to be attributed to a false god. The world is not going to look at your life and say how impressed they are by your capacity. In fact, I've seen something in my lifetime that the people that God has been able to lift up at the highest level are people that are totally surrendered and exhausted from their capacity to do anything. I think it was Billy Graham who says the first question he has when he gets to heaven is, why did you choose me? So you got to get, you got to empty yourself out of all your capacities so that you might see something that doesn't fade. Something that's not going to be bankrupt when you finished exercising your efforts. And so there the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 2.12 that ye should walk worthy of God's call upon you who's called you to his kingdom. 1 Thessalonians 2.12. He's called you not only to his kingdom, but he's called you to his glory. He's called you to a place where you will parade. You will, you will be a trophy of his grace upon your life. If, if you know my story... You know, my story is all about his faithfulness and his glory. Every manifestation of everything that has been transpired since I was 16, God says, eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, has not entered into the imagination of man's heart the things I've prepared for those who draw near, those that love me. The things I've prepared far surpass anything you could imagine on a good day. So we always pray, Lord, this is our need, this is our situation, but you do exceedingly abundantly above all we've prayed and asked. You have a better plan that far surpasses my thoughts, my dreams, my hopes, my expectation. And so you'll see the glory of God upon those people that are allowing God to show forth his glory. It was incredible in Acts chapter 12, New Testament, for those guys that are thinking Old Testament, that King Herod made himself a great mistake. Acts 12, 21, as he was speaking before the people, he rose up. He's dressed in royal apparel, sitting on his royal throne, and he began to give a royal oration. You imagine this guy puffed up like a peacock. His feathers are all out, and he's going to impress the crowd with his puny little existence. Verse 22, and the people kept shouting, we're hearing the voice of God, and this is not a man. He tried to come in to the DNA of Satan. The devil's nature is to defame the glory of God and to usurp the place God had given him. He was a glorious archangel, not because he lifted himself up, but because God had made him the angel of light, Lucifer. 
Everything that he represented was the glory of God, and he wanted to take that place like Herod. Verse 23 says, when they attempted to do that, the Lord struck him because he did not give glory to God. How many men do you know that try to harp on the fact that they know something about anything? Because he refused to give glory to God, he was struck and the maggots came to eat him and he died. This is not Old Testament. If you want to go to the Old Testament, you got to read Exodus 16, 20, which said, if you tried to take too much of God's supply in the morning, it would rot and turn into worms. I want this to be an illustration and an image to you that anything that you take home thinking it's your glory, there are people that don't come to church anymore because God has prospered them so much. Do you know someone like that? That the greater their increase, the greater their trucks, the greater their franchises, the greater their economic expression is, they don't have any time for God. Because it's all about them. They don't come here to give glory to God. They don't come here to worship God. They don't come here to lift up hands and kiss the hand that blesses them. And, and I don't see anything else. I don't, I don't see mercy for these people in the Bible. I see judgment. I see the consequences of what God created to expand the knowledge of his power and greatness being stolen. The Bible says kidnapped. They take their prosperity and they run for the hills saying, look, they used to sing, look what the Lord has done. Now they're saying, look what I do. When they were devastated and nothing left, they were saying, look what the Lord has done. Look what. But when they start being blessed and prosperous, they come up like peacocks and say, I don't have time for God because I bought season tickets down the road. I bought a boat. The marina is calling me. They have all manner of expressions, but they're not pointing at God. The hand of God is unseen, unheard. And their consequences was that all their increase turned to maggots. And a strong stench was smelled. Disappointing the leader, the Moses, the man of God. In grasping for the glory of God, you look more like the devil, not more like Jesus. Isaiah 14, 14. The Bible says that the devil tried to grasp. I will ascend and sit myself on the heights of the clouds. I'm going to be God in my family's life. I don't have time to go to church. I guess, the only day I have is Sunday. It's my day. Instead of the Lord's day. They no longer worship. They no longer surrender. They no longer bow down. They no longer profess. They no longer manifest being vessels of clay. Filled with glorious provision from the Lord. I love when Jesus prays. The difference between him and the devil is that Jesus says this in John 17, 5. Father, the glory you gave me, 
Glorify me together with yourself with the glory which I had with you before the world. Verse 6. He says, I have done my job. The glory you gave me, I manifested your name so that it would be seen in all the earth to all men. You've given it to me out of the world. They were yours and you gave them to me and they have kept your word. They're walking in your assignment. Verse 7. Now they have known all things which you have given me, that they come from you. You have given me and are from you. Everything that my life represents. My house, the glory of God. Verghese, your house, Elizabeth, glory of God. Hallelujah. The faithfulness of God. Elizabeth says to her husband, I want a house, but could it please have a mango tree in the backyard? And so their daughter says, now we bought the mango tree and it came with a house. Isn't God faithful to know our heart's desire for his glory? To show forth his faithfulness, to show forth that he is a faithful God and he knows how to bless his people and giving it all away so that his glory might be manifest. Lord, uh, John 17, 22, the glory which you gave me, I've given them. That they might be one, even as we are one. That everything God blesses us with allows us to penetrate with greater intensity with his family. I love what Wellington Boone, Bishop Wellington Boone says. He says, if you don't like church, you're not going to go to heaven. Because this is what church is, the gathering of his people. And part of the glory is that they might be one. My increase in growing in God has to be your increase. Whatever God has done in my life is so that we rejoice with one another. Because your prosperity is my joy. And who am I going to enjoy it with if it's not with those called to carry? Um, in Spanish it says, portador de tu gloria. I'm a carrying member of the glory of God. You don't need a concealed permit for that. You, you show forth the glory. If you boast, you boast in the Lord. And there should be no lack of understanding that we're going from glory to glory to glory to glory. We're going to greater measures of His faithfulness in our lives. We stay the course. We're called to... Lord, allow me to live for your glory. Allow it to be about you. Listen, in these days, uh, earthly pursuit and earthly accomplishment, to be a CEO, a CFO, a COO in the world is glorious. But in the kingdom of God, to be a bishop is glorious. To be a deacon is glorious. To be a servant in the house of the Lord. To be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. To be an evangelist. To be a prophet. To have one of those categories that in heaven is rewarded. I'm not going to pursue things that are going to come to a finish. You, you go to Google and write CEO and then write suicide right next to it. And start counting how many people the devil has fooled and deceived. Because they pursued the things of this world and they despised. And I always say since this church started, if you're 
If you have a seat to sit here in this church, you are high privileged and honored to sit in this place and be careful you don't lose your seat. And somebody with more passion comes from behind and say, take your Sundays off, go to the beach, go to the marina, enjoy your money, enjoy your football and your soccer and your basketball and, and forget God because the last shall be the first. There'll be some people, and I think they're coming and they're coming strong, that are going to blow away our understanding of worship. They're going to blow away the dedication and the surrender that we purport to have. 1 Thessalonians 2.12, we already said that, 2 Thessalonians 2.14, where he called you by the gospel to obtain, to the obtaining of glory, my Bible says. 2 Thessalonians 2.14. This calling to the gospel to which he called you by the good news to obtain glory. Are, are you understanding that? In other words, Lord, what plans do you have? What, what is a vision you have for my life that's greater than my vision? What, is, what are you calling me to? And I'll tell you, we come from a line of a lot of lawyers in our family, a, a line of judges and senators and politicians. And th this is talking about my uncles growing up and understanding that they were in close proximity, elbow to elbow with presidents of the nation going in and out of Congress and, and government and the White House and the presidential palace. And that in Christ, we saw all these things as dung in order that we might attain to the high call in Christ Jesus. In other words, if the devil is offering me all these earthly pursuits, come and I'll show you the kingdoms of this world, what should it be if I turn him down? And I accept the Lord's challenge and where he's going to take me. When, when I was in my law practice and he was calling me to full-time ministry after 10 years of law practice, I said, Lord, when I was an illiterate, I didn't know how to read or write, and I gave my heart to the Lord, he made me a lawyer. So imagine if I give up being a lawyer, where will that take me? It'll take me to a far greater measure of his glory and purpose than I could ever attain. And I was in a good season in my law firm. Because if you practice law for 10 years, now you get all the good clients. Now everything you paid your dues to was going to call you to a greater season of greater legal opportunities. Not that they weren't there at the beginning, but they were greater opportunities. And then to say, Lord, I want to see your glory, not mine. I want to see what you want to do with my life. And to be able to have that understanding is a gift of God. Because what he's done in the last 15 years have blown my mind away. If you were to ever consider what we have done upon the face of the earth, following the desire to fill the earth with his glory, far surpassed anything I could have done in Hialeah. In my puny thoughts. Lord, allow us to see these things, to know these things. Luke 12, 15 says, life does not consist of building up a portfolio. We just emptied out a man's house this week who died after 23 years of this church. And I can tell you, 80% of what he had in his house could be described as dung. He piled up earthly treasure that went straight to the 
ash heap, to the trial pa- uh, trash pile, the place of no value. What he spent in his garage organizing and in his house keeping and all the things that he thought were his were just a hindrance for him to see greater glory in his life. Something that would impact his family that does not perish. And so these understandings are like, um, somebody said it on the way to the trash pile. Uh, They said, Pastor, uh, I'm going to go home and throw away all my trash that's occupying my time. Because they participated in emptying out that house that stayed behind. Now he stands before God and has to answer, if God gave him all these resources, why didn't he fill the earth with greater glory? With greater intensity. Luke 12, 15, life does not consist of that which you possess. Beware of covetedness, of desiring things here upon the earth. Be careful that these things not have you. And that you're anchored down with the weight of earthly affairs that don't allow you to lift up your thoughts to greater vision, greater pursuit. When he gives this example, he gives the parable of the rich man. In verse 16, he says, There was a rich man whose land was very fertile and productive. And he began thinking to himself, What shall I do? I have no place large enough to store all my crops, all my things. Then he said, This is what I will do. I will tear down these warehouses, these storehouses, and build larger ones. And I will store greater grain and goods here. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many good things stored up for many years. Rest and relax. Enjoy the fruit of your labor. Verse 20, but God said to him, you fool. This very night, your soul is required from you. And now who will these things pass on to that you have accumulated? Verse 21, so it is for the one who continues to store up and hoard possessions for himself and not rich in his relationship with God. So this is, we've thought about it also in these affairs the greater time we have to focus on the call of God in our lives. We're not going to be distracted and distorted. And the Bible says entangled in the affairs of this life. I I told several of my friends, they come up to me and says, oh, you haven't invested in cryptocurrency? I don't have time for foolishness. And then I show them where I invest. And then they freak out and they feel like fools. Because the Bible says treasure in heaven. Have things that you've done in this life that you've sacrificed this life because you're going to have a greater life. In the natural, talking to Brandon this week, I said, Brandon, when I was your age thereabouts, I put my studies and my exams and my pursuit to get into law school and to finish that you might have a glorious life, if you have a glorious life at the beginning, you're not going to have it at the end. I didn't play golf till 20 years into my law practice. Why? Because I was busy about investing for my family, my wife and children. I didn't know what a golf ball was till I finished law school, till I passed the bar, till I started my law firm, till I had my clients, till I bought my house, till I had four kids, and then... Yvette let me go play golf. (laughs) 
But that talks about treasury. And it's not going to happen up front. And there's too many Christians that are taking their life easy, convenient, and laid back now. And they're not going to see what God has for them. They're going to be like this man, a fool, who hoarded up for himself and did not make provision for God's goodness. Romans 1.18 says, the wrath of God is revealed. You're going to see it. I, I, for years, I spoke with a woman this week. I said, I saw what's happening to you now 10 years ago. How come you didn't see it? How come you didn't have eyes to believe what the Bible says 10 years before it happens? And so I said to her, it's sad that you didn't, you weren't concerned about what you're really concerned now. Her husband is leaving her with two kids and he's going back to his mother's house to be under her skirt. But I saw that 10 years ago. She didn't. Now she cries. Now she's a single mother. Now she didn't make provision for those two boys to have a champion dad. Because she wasn't measuring character at that moment. And now character has been revealed. There is none. Romans 1, 18, the wrath of God revealed. How does the, the displeasure of God, that word wrath means he gets red in the face against all those that walk in inconsistent with godliness and righteousness. Men who have decided to squander and suppress truth. They're conniving men. Verse 19, since what is known about God is plainly seen, because God has made it plain. God shows us these things. They make sense now. Verse 20, for since creation, the world uh, has seen the invisible qualities of God being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse. When, when you sit down with a person and ask them, why isn't it that you put God first? How come you miss church so much? I don't see you missing your, your meetings on the phone. Every 10 minutes you're on the phone in a meeting and you don't miss one and you're saying get the phone get the phone get the phone get the phone and you miss six months worth of god you you can count the days that you're absent without leave you're not present where you need to be present so that the heavens open over you and your family to get what you cannot lose the things god has laid up for you Yet you think, and I, this is prophetic, and we've seen it happen a million times, when God closes the provision, and there's not even a drop. And suicide becomes very attractive. You'd rather not live one more day than to live the despair of God's wrath upon you. Verse 21, it says, because they decided to not glorify God. Although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God. If God is doing this in your life huge, then the worship and dedication and priority is God, I'm available to you 24-7. I love the story of Yoa. Yoa, let's go to Poland. I don't think I have time the next six months. I said, okay, I'll ask God to give you cancer so you take chemotherapy the next six months. He says, pastor, I'm going with you. 
It started looking super good. Poland was a fit, a glorious fit to do things that participate with God's priority upon the earth. I guarantee you, Yoa, that you're going to be up on the throne of God. They're going to be going through the paperwork and you're going to say, don't miss Poland, please. I was there. Ask Pastor Richie. He was there too. Then you're going to want your resume to look good. And some of you, it doesn't look good. Compared to what God has done in your life, I said about my brother-in-law, God got you out of jail eight years early. I would have said, Lord, the next five years are yours. I'm going to act like I'm in jail, but for you. And then I'll get busy in the world. But since I got out eight years early, when I wasn't going to get out, I'll give you four. You keep four, I'll keep four. And the next four years, I'll act like I'm your prisoner. I don't have time for anything else. I'm going to get hired at the church and say that this is where I live. My antenna's up in heaven. As a hand went into prison and brought me out. And now I'm with my family. So I'm not going to act like I'm losing. I'm way ahead. The glory of God is all over me. Because it was impossible to cut one day short. What has God done in your life? Although they knew God, they glorified him not. They didn't give him thanks. They became temporary, earthly in their thoughts. Their foolish hearts became darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fooled. They exchanged the glory of God for the glory of his creation. Psalm 19, verse 1. I want to finish now. I'm over three minutes. Um, I just want you to be filled today. And not just hear it. I want it to go in your spirit and begin to change your priorities in your life. The impact that 10 years had in the life of Carlos Leon is to go over to human resources where he had been an executive for UPS for 36 years and say, I'm retiring early. They said, why, you, you got cancer, you got sick? He goes, no, I got saved and I got healed and I got delivered. And instead of working four more years to finish out a retirement that's more lucrative, he says, no, these four years, I'm gonna change the world. I'm gonna travel with pastor and we're gonna go do men's conferences everywhere. Because God's investment at the cross, his son, and what it's reaping, seeking and saving lost men is greater than a severance package retirement at UPS. That becomes real. And there are men in this congregation that have captured the vision and embraced the treasures of heaven greater than what this world has to offer. You have to see the pearl of great price in order for you to go and sell everything you have and make God your priority. Now, the, the, the understanding is that God is not unjust to forget your labor of love. And so he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's going to owe you nothing. The last 15 years of me not making attorney's fees and seeing clients and establishing my portfolio and my firm, you know that God is going to give me a greater platform. You know that God is not going to be unjust. There it says in Psalm 19, verse 1, the heavens, what God has created, are declaring the glory of God. Do you imagine that if the heavens are declaring the glory of God and you don't, 
You're greater than the heavens. You're the workmanship of God. You're, you're the, the, it says, his craftsmanship, his glorious work upon the earth. Your life supposed to reflect greater glory than the heavens. And the expanse of the heavens declaring the works of your hands. You, you, the, there's nothing that could describe God's reality. Some people say, oh, I don't know if God exists. Brother, look at my life and you'll see God exist. If you can, I tell guys, a young guy came up to me at my house. He says, well, how do I know that God exists? I said, wait a second, let me peel this mango. And when you have this mango, you'll know God is real. Because God created this mango, it's delicious. So if those are the created things to prove the glorious existence of God, how much more your life and his calling on your life and the purpose that God has to fill the earth with his glory through your life. The heavens declare the glory. The handiwork proclaims, two, uh, verse 2, day by day, they pour out speech. And there's nothing sadder than, what has God done? Oh, nothing. I'm right now, I, I can't talk about it. I broke up with my girlfriend. Really? You that were called to open your mouth to utter the glorious faithfulness of a faithful, mighty God, and you are mum is the word. The best they could do out of you is that you need money to pay your light bill and you need gas money. Because you're so saturated by the concerns of this life. You have nothing glorious to say. I say, hey, let's, let's do a timeout here. And let's begin to say what the Lord has done. Let's say what the Lord has been faithful. Let's say what God, you know, the expressions of his might and his power and his glorious mysteries. These are to saturate our lives. I can't stand the bearer of bad news. They're called the naysayers. The night unto night reveals his knowledge. As, as I sleep, there is so much that God is showing me. I can't put it all down on paper. Verse 3, there is no speech, nor are words enough to be able to tell everything God has done. Verse 4, yet their voice has gone out through the earth, their words to the end of the earth. In and in the heavens, he made a tent for the sun. And then the revelation that this man has after counting down the glorious creation of God is verse 14, where he says, Lord... From now on, let the words of my mouth and even the thoughts of my heart be acceptable to you. If there's supposed to be a fountain of glory that inundates, you know when you, when, I don't know about inundation, but if, if you turn on the faucet and the water starts rising, it, you can't say, you know, this is normal. So when you open up the floodgates of the glorious call of God in this church, when Jason Ellerbrook came, the leader of Lifeway, uh, in fact, we're going to partner with him now. And we're going to start doing father and son based on the show me the father. He's going to do father and son stadium events. And he wants what is a man at the forefront of that. And he wants our sons to be the speakers. He wants your son to get up on the platform and to say something about God. About God's faithfulness. About his healing power. Of his glorious mercies. So you guys don't know God is preparing a platform for us. He says, in every major city, and we're going to start in Kentucky. I've never been to Kentucky. But we're going to partner with these men of God. And when he came down here 10 years ago, he says, I just have one question for the entire leadership staff. How come you haven't told anybody about this place? 
He says, if everything you guys are telling me about this place is true, I only have one question. Why haven't you told anybody? When the lady who's a Jewish, not, former non-believer, now she's a believer, she, she had seen the transformation in George Caracol's life. Her name is Susan. She had worked for PBS fundraising for 30 years. And we brought her in because we needed fundraising. And she sat down with our financial bigwigs. And she says, well, I, I have one thing to say. Because I've seen George Caracol's transformation, him and his wife and his brother Robert now. The declaration I have is this is Miami's best kept secret. What God is doing here, Miami should know about it. They're not knowing about it. Because you haven't made the glory of God your priority. You haven't made what God has done in this place a reality. And, and all the fanfare and all the fake stuff is out there and they know all the bad news. But the people want to know that the meditations of your mouth, that the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable and pleasing to you. Lord, allow my faucet to run with your glory. You have done sufficient in my life that I don't have to wait for anything more. I don't need further explanation. It doesn't matter what happens in my lifetime. I'm ready to show forth everything. Psalm 115 verse 1, and we're done 10 minutes late, uh, early. Not us, Lord. Not to us. Not about my bank account. Not about my clients. Not about my contracts. About you. Your name. I give glory because your mercy, because your truth, because of your faithfulness in my life. Is there any doubt? And every time I talk to somebody, I say, there is no doubt in my heart that God's about to serve a table, a banquet table in this place. I told the men behind each one of you, there's going to be 100,000 men wanting to hear your voice and wanting to know your God and your ways and following your footprints and say, we know God is with you. Because of everything God is doing, you're the conduit, not to us, Lord, but to your name be, give glory. Verse 2. Why should people say, where is their God? You're talking about the, the prominent thing in our life is what God is doing, and you want to tell people that you have an impressive boat, bank account, car, office, clientele list, who your contacts, who are the people you know, who are the people you speak with, and you don't tell them about God? You don't tell them, I used to be a rat rug. I used to suck the gutter. I used to be in the sewer. Marcos Morales, you got a story to tell, sir. You got a story to tell. Greater than anything that this world could offer you. God is good. Father, we thank you this morning. Who are we? You found us on the gutter. You found us at the dunghill. You found us at the ash heap. You found us in places that nobody would pay anything for us and you gave it all. And you prospered us and you showed us your glory and you invited us to partake and you under, let us understand that we were created to magnify and glorify a faithful God so that his name would no longer be defamed. We were created, O oh God, 
as instruments of your pleasure, instruments of your increase, greater measures of affluence and influence in this world so that people could see God, not so they could be impressed by our resume and by our experience in the field of endeavor, but that we are vessels of your mercy, that we are earthen vessels made out of clay filled with a glorious measure of your faithfulness over our lives. Allow us to move in the measure to magnify who you are and not to open the door tomorrow and see a bunch of maggots and a stench because we have attempted to usurp and take God's place. He's not going to share his glory with another. He says, the glory is mine. And my name will not be defamed by you trying to project a measure of prosperity and blessing and increase without my hand, says the Lord. Humble yourself under my mighty hand that I might lift you up and that the exaltation and promotion comes from the Lord. In Jesus' name, we bless you and we glorify you and we thank you for what's going to happen in the coming days, weeks, months, and year. Lord, find us faithful in stewarding your glory, that we could go from glory to glory, and that our children after us might not usurp and kidnap what you have done in our lives, because we have lied to the next generation, saying that these things cometh from us, our hard work, and our ability, and our experience, our know-how, and are savvy. Please, Lord, have mercy and don't strip us naked and ashamed. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen and amen. God bless you. Tomorrow night, men's meeting, 8 o'clock. I want to see how we maybe show the, that movie tomorrow. So let's, let's keep it uh, as a possibility. Otherwise, for the congregation, we'll be sharing when it is available in the coming days. God bless you.